Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 11. That song goes exactly with the message. Amen. Thank God for that. I like when the Lord orchestrates a good service. You know, Memorial Day came home personally about, uh, I don't know, it's been 10 years ago, Brother Al, or it's been several years ago uh, when Brother Al's nephew and uh, uh, was killed in Afghanistan, and me and Connie and Heather Payne, I believe it was, wasn't it? We went down to the funeral, and she's taking all these pictures, and I started going through pictures of Memorial Day in the past, and I saw those pictures. And I want Brother Al to give a word of testimony tonight about how uh, God helped his family through this and help your family. You know, uh, folks, the comfort of all this is knowing there's a heaven. And there's a heavenly dove named the Holy Spirit that will give you comfort when the world has no comfort. I tell you who I feel sorry for. I feel sorry for people that lose their loved ones and then they don't know if they're saved, but then they don't know if they're saved, so they have no comfort. And so without the Lord, you have no comfort. You have no courage. You have no, you, you, you not have much character really because the Lord gives you love, joy, peace, meekness, faith, but you just don't have anything worth having unless you're saved. Amen? When you say it, he makes a difference. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And uh, I thank God that we Christians uh, can uh, mourn, but we, can, we, we, have, we have hope. We have hope. It's a hope chest. This casket is called a hope chest. And uh, we're, we're, we're just planting our loved ones. That's why a lot of cemeteries are called God's Acres and all that kind of stuff. And it is just planted. And they're not there, they're in heaven, amen? And I want to comfort some of you because I know you're having a rough day today uh, thinking about your loved one that's passed on, and especially if you have one that uh, gave their life while they were in the armed forces uh, defending our freedom and fighting for the cause of liberty. And so God bless you, and I hope that you'll receive comfort and grace. Good to see our visitors with us. we got some that was invited from uh, uh, at a furniture store, amen? Glad to have y'all come by. Amen. And then uh, good to see some of the ones that said they would be here several weeks ago and they're here. It's just a blessing to have visitors. I want to tell you something, we're ever going to grow as a church, we've got to get prospects. And so I do a lot of things that you might understand what I'm doing, but I'm trying to get prospects. And when we get prospects, we go door to door next Saturday, or we'll go door to door for Vacation Bible School. We have people come to Vacation Bible School. It's prospects, prospects. You've got to get four prospects for every one person that comes to church. And so we need to prospect. We need to have prospect offerings. We need to go out door to door. We're going to go out door to door, hand out a little gift to them next Saturday, and most important of all, invite them to vacation Bible school. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn in honor of the Lord of God. And I wish those three little ones could stay in here. They could have stood with their new Bible and found Mark chapter 11. But I thank God for you, and we're going to have somebody write in the Bible some real clear, uh, calligraphic, beautiful writing, Miss Kaylee. And it's going to be beautiful. I was going to do it, and I thought, well, yeah, they won't ever recognize their own name if I write it, because I write like a doctor. And somebody told me I write like a doctor. I type like a sissy, but I write like a doctor. Amen. But anyway, let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Somebody told me if I was ever going to graduate of college, I had to take typing. So I took a lot of typing. Can't write. So we'll have those Bibles beautifully written in. All right, have your Bibles. Please turn and... I want you to see it real quick in Mark chapter 11, and let's stand and honor the Word of God. Verse 22, And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Amen. 
For verily I say unto you that whatsoever shall say unto the mountain, Be, not, be thou removed, and thou cast into the sea, and canst not doubt in thy heart, but shall believe that these things which thou shalt come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And when he had stand praying, uh, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have all against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. And if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. Let's pray, and you may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity of having biblical faith. Lord, when the Lord answered, have faith in God, He meant it. And Lord, we can have faith in God and have faith in Your person, Your promises, and Your power as we preached on last week. But Lord, we know it's not a blank check, it's according to Your will. So Lord, help us to learn how to pray and help us not to have any hindrances in our life, in our prayer life. And we're going to thank You and we're going to praise You for what You do in and through this message. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want you to notice they're walking by a cursed tree, a withered tree from the roots up. They're amazed as they come from Bethany. They shouldn't have been amazed at anything that God or Jesus could do because Lazarus was just raised from the dead. And uh, he looked at them and he said, have faith in God. And there's three things about faith that's mentioned in this Bible. Number one, it's the, it's the opportunity of faith. It's the opportunity of faith. Jesus was giving them a, a vivid illustration about a mountain. That could be moved in the Bible days uh, when they said, hey, listen, that's like moving a mountain. That's what some colloquial terms the Jewish use. And it said it's impossible. And it would take a whole lot of work. And it would just be un unbelievable. But the Lord can move mountains. Amen? He can move mountains and obstacles. And I'm going to give you three real quick obstacles in your prayer life that you need to eliminate. I, I, I believe that we can believe God for salvation. 2 Peter 3, 9. All, all should be uh, saved. None should come to none should perish, but all should come to repentance. And so we see the object of faith last week, and that's His promises, that's His power. But most important of all is His person. You're not praying to a pope. You're not praying to some intercessor. You're praying to God. And folks, what is most important is that you realize that nothing should stand between you and God in your prayer life. Tonight I'll be preaching, uh, continuing my messages on uh, parent parenting. And uh, folks, one of the greatest things you can do is pray for your children. But if you're not right with God, you can't pray. And, and he gives two things in the Bible that tells you that you cannot pray uh, unless you're right with God, unless you have uh, a clear heart. And so I want to give you two obstacles in closing of this message. And that is, uh, first of all, unbelief and, uh, and then unconfessed sin. Unbelief and unconfessed sin. Uh, look at verse 23. The Bible says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be, not remo be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and cannot doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now that's not a blank check. You've got to get a hold of biblical faith. Biblical praying. What is that? That's praying for God's will to be done. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And a lot of times we spit that prayer off. I was a chaplain for five years at Southeast High. And they fired me because we only, we only won three games in five years. I don't know why they blame the chaplain. They shouldn't blame God either. Amen, uh, Alex. 
And, uh, but I was over there, you know, uh, coaching on the sidelines and second-guessing the coach. But I'd always pray with the, with the, with the guys before they hit the field, and they always wanted to recite the Lord's Prayer. And I said, no, I don't want to recite the Lord's Prayer. I said, because all you do is recite it. And, you know, a lot of times you can recite the Lord's Prayer, and it can mean something. But I want to tell you something. Our Father means a lot. Our Father means a lot. You must be saved to have prayers answered. Amen. You must have, you have children privileges. Amen. Uh, one time my children uh, were little. They're grown up now. But when they came to the door, they, they were going home with somebody. That was the big deal to go home with some of y'all's kids. And that's why they turned out so corrupt because they went home with the deacon's kids. No, not really. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and I, I gave them a dollar or five dollars. I don't know why they needed money because usually when they went home with somebody, they at least bought their lunch, you know, or, or, or cooked something. But uh, this little old bus kids come up to me after they saw us hand out dollar bills and said, I want one, Daddy. I want one, Daddy. I said, I ain't your daddy. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. Uh, I ended up giving them some. But I tell you what, God has a privilege. And that privilege is a family privilege, our Father. And it's by faith. You don't, you don't get prayers by not believing. You believe that He is and the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I want you to turn to 1 John 5, 14 and 15. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 real quick. Look at the Bible. That's 1 John, right before Revelation. Wasn't that a great Sunday school lesson this morning out of Jude? But the Bible says in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, listen to this now, according to His will, He heareth us. And we know that we, uh, we hear us, wherefore we ask, if we know that we have the petition that we desire of Him. Folks, faith moves mountains but mountains that God wants moved. I don't think we ought to go out in the backyard and try to move the mountain across I-75 just to prove how spiritual we are. There's no spiritual purpose for that. That mountain's there for a reason. It'd take down a whole lot of houses if we moved the mountain. But folks, there is the mountains of selfishness. We pray amiss to consume it upon our own lust. And folks, there's the mountain of pleasing ourselves. I want you to turn, stay in 1 John real quick. And you're probably still back at Mark, but look at 1 John 3.22. 1 John 3.22. How many love the Word of God? Say amen. amen. Y'all pray to these little children that they can get the Word of God hid in their heart. Yeah. And, and I was going to give them a chance to commit that they're going to read their Bible every day and pray, but I was just so broken hearted, those little eyes looking at me. I just said, hey, here's your Bible and read it. Amen. Uh, we'll get commitments later. But look at 1 John 3.22. Whatsoever things you ask, receive of him. Because you keep His commandments and do those things which are pleasing in His sight. You do those things that are pleasing in His sight. I want to tell you, friend, prayer is not getting your will done. Prayer is not moving your mountain so you can brag that you're a mountain mover. Prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks it. And I want to say this, prayer glorifies God. And the ultimate purpose for prayer is His glory. Uh, you know, it's, it's a shame, but in Matthew chapter 6, the NIV and several of the new modern perversions leave this whole, this whole verses out. I mean, they just omit it. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. They leave these two verses out. Matthew 6, 9 and 10. If you have one of those Bibles, you won't find it. Uh, it's not in there. Matthew 6, 9 and 10. I can't believe anybody would leave these, 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 Bible, these verses out of anything, because it's, it's what it's all about. Matthew 6, 9 and 10. The Bible says, After this matter, therefore our Father uh, pray, 
ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts and forgive us our debtors. That's not the Lord's prayer because he never had to forgive anything. He's perfect. This is, a, this is the disciples' prayer. But here is um, what they leave out. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine, here, here's the phrase they leave out. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. They leave out all of verse 13. Folks, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now folks, the essence of every prayer that you want answered is for His glory. Amen. Not for your joy. Let me just say this. Real great praying is not problem oriented. It's promise oriented. If we're not careful, our prayers are going to be whining sessions. Say amen. Come on, somebody go shake your head. I know, I know when my kids were little, I did not tolerate whining. They would get real trouble for whining. Because, they, because whiners turn into pouting teenagers and pitiful adults. Folks, we go around just whining all the time. We go around, oh, dear God, you know where I, he knows where you're at. And, you know, he, he appreciates you crying. He appreciates your brokenness because brokenness is an avenue to revival. But I want to tell you something, friend. When we come to God, we need to come with promise-oriented. We need to have our prayers around the promises of God. And here's the promise. He will be glorified. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I can't imagine anybody taking that out of the Bible. Can't, can't imagine it. Because that's the essence. I even had a liberal on the radio I heard that says, I know that that's not the, the right translation because that's the essence of prayer is His glory. His glory. And so first of all, if you want your prayers answered, you need to pray in Jesus' name. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. John 14, verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name that I will, oh, I woke him up, I'm sorry, that I will do, listen to this now, it says, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now look at that verse 13 again, John 14. It says, and whatsoever, whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let me just say this, and I'll, I'll preach very briefly today because I wanted to honor our, our uh, loved ones as one on and mostly our, our uh, men that's, and ladies that's given their life. But in Jesus' name is not a tack on. You know, when I was a teenager, we'd have youth services, and we'd always, it would either be me and Alfie, I went to see him yesterday, got to spend some time with him, spent the night with him Friday night, great time in Claxton, tried to get into church. And every door was locked, and I couldn't get into where I was ordained. I wanted to go and look at it. So I just left tracks on every door. Amen. Put my phone number on it. Hope they'd call. Never unlocked the doors uh, for me to go see the place I was ordained. But uh, my, 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 my cousin and I would be the pray designated prayers. And we'd always look at each other and say, did you pray last month or did I? And it was once a month, you know, I mean, my word. And we would get ready to pray. And we wasn't really praying. We were just trying to impress. We were just carnal kids. We're just praying. We're just praying words. One of the worst things you can do is, is pray to God and not pray to God. You know, we're not here to impress. You're not here to get up and pray uh, the God of Jeroboam, Rehoboam, and all those born boys. We're gathered here today to, you know, to, to grace your presence. No, friend, listen, we just need to talk to God. And we need to be broken and we need to be honest. 
But folks, in Jesus' name and for His sake was what I was taught to say every prayer. In Jesus' name and for His sake, amen. In Jesus' name and for His sake, amen. And folks, that's vain repetition. Because I want to tell you what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It means to pray in His character. And pray based on His finished work at the cross of Calvary. And pray most of all, verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But verse 13 says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When you pray in Jesus' name, you're saying, Lord, what I just asked, I'm praying that you'll get glory for it. I'm not asking for my pitiful problems, even though some of our problems are very pitiful. And if you don't pray, you're a fool. If you don't pray, you're missing the greatest opportunity in the world to have God's help. You're pulling heaven down to earth. You're getting heavenly peace, heavenly joy, heavenly purpose, and heavenly power to overcome the devil, the flesh, and the world. Prayer is the key. But prayer for our glory is not the key. It's just words. And folks, listen, we need to realize that first of all, he said this. He said, pray believing and the mountains will be moved. But folks, it means pray believing not in what you want, but what he wants. It's his will be done. And then last but not least, I see another hindrance to prayer, another barrier to prayer. It's not only uh, unbelief, which that's the only sin that will send you to hell, by the way. For the wage of sin is death. Not sin, sin. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. But the, un but the second thing that he mentions is in verse 25. Look at it, Mark 11. You with me? It says, And when ye shall stand praying, forgive, if you have all against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Unforgiveness puts us at odds with God. He has forgiven us of all our sin. And who are we not to burn every bridge? Because if you do not, you're burning a bridge to God. He said it, I didn't. He says, unbelief will cause your prayers not to be answered. It's a barrier. It's an obstruction. Uh, yesterday I got back from vacation and the air condition was broke. And I called and got help from Brother Donald and Brother Howard. And, and, they, and, and, and it didn't work and uh, didn't have the tools. And so I said, well, I'm going to fix it myself. Praise God. I can do it. And I crawled in that space and I got the air tank that I borrowed from Brother Howard. And I put the rags around like he instructed me to do. And man, I put 100 pounds of pressure on that condensation pipe because I was going to break it loose. And I broke it loose, all right. I had water coming out the sink, praise God. I mean, it was fountains of joy. My wife screaming, saying, it's coming out the sink. I said, good, I got through, amen. I had a lot to clean up after that. But anyway, I'm just saying this. Friend, there's an obstruction. There's a blockage. In a lot of people's prayer life. And you think you're praying, but it's bouncing off this ceiling because you do not believe. And number two, you're bitter. You're bitter. Now I'm going to tell you this, friend. There's no little sin because every sin cuts you off from God. He forgave you. Who are you to hold a grudge? And I mean, he deals with it, and it seems almost out of context, but it's not because it's God's word. He said, hey, listen, have faith. God can move this mountain. I can wilt a fig tree if I want to. I can kill it from the roots up. 
because it, did, it was all leaves and no fruit. That was a sign of religion without a relationship. But he says, have faith in God. And have faith believing. And you can move mountains. Great miracles, impossibilities can take place. But then he said, and when you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. Let me just say this. God help us if we think that we can have sin in our life and get our prayers answered. You're kidding yourself. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers shall be an abomination. Some people never come to church. They never read their Bible, but oh, they can pray. But I want to tell you something, you can't pray because you ain't getting through. The Bible says, if you turn your ear away from hearing the law, your prayer shall be an abomination. You know what abomination means? It makes God sick. And so I'm going to say this, man. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You ought to come to church every time the doors open because you need more faith. Mama, you need faith to, to pray the devil off your kid's back. You need faith to help them turn out right and seek God's will and marry right. And do right. Live right. You need faith. But I'll tell you what, you need a clear heart so you can get through. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that He cannot save. See, God can do anything. Amen. He can save any sinner. But it says, Neither his ear that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. He, could, he will not hear a dirty heart, a preoccupied heart. He wants you to be clear and clean. And it should be the roadblock of sin in your heart, and especially the sin of unforgiveness. So I want you to examine your heart. And I want you to realize this. The first prayer you ought to pray and the first phrase you ought to pray is, Lord, if there's anything in my heart against somebody else, please forgive me. Help me. Some of y'all have been really hurt. I can tell by the way you're looking at me. You've been hurt. But I want to tell you that, friend, nobody's been hurt like Jesus has been hurt. And nobody has loved you like God's loved you. Amen. And if God can forgive you, you can forgive others. Amen? Amen? Look, at, uh, uh, look at these verses again. It says, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have all against any, that your Father also which in heaven may forgive you and your trespasses. Why is that important? Psalm 66, 18. It says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, he'll not hear you. It didn't say if you have, you know, sin once in a while. But it says you have sin that you're regarding. You know what that means? You're keeping it. You know what you're saying? Well, Lord, I know it's sin, but I'm not changing. Lord, I know it's sin, but it's too inconvenient not to sin. I know it's sin, but you don't know, Lord. And, you know, it's amazing how we tell the Lord he don't know. The Lord knows. <laughs> Amen. He really knows. But Lord, you don't know how I've been hurt. Well, yes, he does know how you've been hurt. But do multiply it 10,000 times 10,000. And that's how much he's been hurt. By you. And by me. Because we put him on the cross. Our sins. Our iniquities. And if God can forgive us, who are we to let the grudge hold us? And I want to say this, friend. An unforgiving heart puts you into captivity. I ain't got time to go there. Matthew 18 talks about a parable where a man had a great debt and then uh, uh, um, 
and uh, he, he, wouldn't for, that he wouldn't forgive uh, a guy that had just a little debt against him. And folks, I want to tell you something. Uh, the parable goes on to say in Matthew chapter 18 that he was cast into the jail because of his unforgiving spirit, his unforgiving heart. Folks, the greatest prison on this earth is the prison of bitterness. Right. Bitterness. I mean, people have hurt themselves because they're bitter. They've hurt others, but they hurt the name of God but I want to tell you something, you hurt your children, you hurt your family, because you cannot pray. Now folks, every sin is, is terrible, but any sin that separates you from the fellowship of God and keeping you from having biblical faith to move mountains in other people's lives is a terrible sin. The Lord loves you so much that he sent his only son to die in your place. And who are we to act like the devil and not forgive? But who are we to act like the Lord and forgive everybody? Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you have an all against a brother right now? I mean, maybe your parents mistreated you. and You hate them. Maybe some ex or O, you know, there's a lot of divorces today. Maybe some ex or O hurts you. I mean, really hurt you. It was unfaithful. That's a terrible sin, adultery. But the Lord says, forgive them. And if you don't, you're going to let the past poison the present and ruin the future. Because the Bible says when you stand praying, you, you have an all against your brother. The Bible says first go to them before you try to give your offering to God, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. And folks, listen, we cannot even worship God if there's sin in our life. Maybe we ought to have the altar call first. Instead of last. But let me give you one more verse. Ephesians 4, 32. And boy, the devil has tried to hinder this message. Oh, I'm just telling you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And I'll close with this verse. He might have tried to hinder you from listening to it because if, if there's anything that will set you free, it's faith and forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Don't make an F in school, children. But you ought to make an elf in this. You ought, to, you, ought to have, you ought to have faith and forgiveness as part of your life. Now look at uh, verse 30 of Ephesians 4. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed into the day of redemption. I had twins on my birthday. I had two others. Jason was first born 40-something years ago, just celebrated birthday. We gave him a scuba diving tank so he could get uh, closer to the Lord underwater about 50,000 feet, but, um, um, and then Amy, she's over in South Africa, losing her hearing, wondering what's going on, fighting the devil, anytime you do something for God, the devil's going to try to discourage you, Amen. appreciate all y'all's encouragement to, to, to her with your prayers, but you know, what grieved me the most in my life, probably, was when my kids didn't get along. I thought brother and sister, especially out of the same womb, one was born 13 minutes, was it 13 minutes? 18, 18 minutes, I always say 13. 18 minutes before Stephanie was born before Stephen, and she's always let him know that she's older, and bosses him around, or, or did. He's married now, nobody bosses around, except his wife. But, um, <laughs> y'all get that later, amen? But, uh, you know, when they would disagree, or fuss, or fight, Y'all's kids never done that. I can tell. Y'all got, got halos. 
that slipped down to your neck. I know y'all, they, they've never disagreed. But you know what grieves the father and mother the most is when they can't get along. And the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And we live in a day and age where people are seeking revival and want great prayers to be answered. And we have full prayer rooms and half people won't speak to each other. And God says, I can't answer those prayers. We have people that are living in open sin, know it's sin, and think they can pray, you're kidding yourself. You better repent, get right with God, not go with the status quo of society and live like you're living and get right with God so you can have your prayers answered because somebody's dependent on you, especially your children. I had a praying mama, an alcoholic for a father, but I had a praying mama. And guess what made the difference? A praying mama. And half the time, we'd have to fight bitterness towards daddy. Half the time, we'd have to fight getting mad and striking back and yelling back and fighting back. And when we got right with God in a revival where, it's, where the preacher preached how you could win your loved ones to the Lord, and we started loving him, it took three years, but God melted his heart. And he walked the aisle while I was preaching at Wesley Hills Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia, and wept his way to glory got saved and seven years he lived and then seven seven years I mean one more year after that he died of cirrhosis of the liver and he said Wayne the only regret I have is I only lived seven years I only lived seven years I came back from the war messed up and killing so many people and seeing my buddies killed wondering why I was alive Turn to the crutch called liquor instead of the cross. And he said, Wayne, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. He never said that until he got saved. I'm just closing by saying this, friend. I had to give up for bitterness to reach my daddy, to pray for my daddy. I heard a message, I can't pray with, with bitterness in my heart. Look at verse 30. One, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. It means it ignites like a, like a uh, gas-soaked rag in a closet. It just ignites into anger and clamor. And evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. There's the explosion. But here it is. And be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake, that's forgiven you. Why could God forgive me? Because he treated his son as if he did it. Jesus paid it all. And he said that I am to forgive even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. That means I need to forgive like Jesus forgives. I need to forgive like God forgives. And I'm never more like Jesus than when I forgive. And I'm never more like the devil when I don't. And when I lie, because he's the father of all lies. And so let me just say, two, two obstacles, two barriers, two stoppages in the line to heaven is unbelief and unforgiveness. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything cutting me off in my prayer life. 
Because there's too many people, including y'all, that are dependent on my prayer. And if I get bitter, or if I get some hidden sin in my life, I can't even pray for my flock. I can't pray for my dear wife. It's such a wonderful time together this week. Together. When I heard the news of Brother Stenet Ballou as they sent him home to die, I was going to have him for the third week of August. Preach awesome, preach in August. I was going to have him back for the missions revival. He's got cancer all over him. Three weeks ago, he was in perfect health, he thought. When I hear about Brother Guffey's wife dying yesterday morning at 11 o'clock, pastor right across the county here, good man, took care of his wife faithfully. I think about the brevity of life. And I think about life's too short for me to go around holding a grudge. Life's too short for me to harbor any sin. That's why I need the word preached hard, straight to my heart. Get right with God. Repent. Turn from sin. Why? Because sin separates you from God. And sin cuts your prayer life off at the ceiling. And sin, the sin of unbelief, will be the greatest obstruction in your life. I'm glad, I'm so glad that the Lord is thorough when He says have have faith in God. He says, but while you're having faith, don't fake it and think that everything's all right because if it's not right with your brother or your sister or even your enemy, it ain't right with me. And you're wasting your breath praying. I don't know about you, but I want an effective prayer life because somebody's dependent on have faith in God and have a clean heart and then pray and God will work miracles in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this privilege to pray in the house of God. Make it a house of prayer. Can't wait to 5.30 tonight. Some people never frequent the prayer room. they got too many things going on, too much to do, too much practice, too much procedures. Too much action, too much activity. But God, what we need is you to get in on all that and touch us and anoint us and use us. And God, prayer is important. Prayer is preeminent. But dear God, thank you for giving us two keys this morning. It keeps us with an open line to heaven. It makes us have a Christ-honoring prayer life, an undeniable prayer life prayer life of faith and a prayer life that's full of the Holy Spirit that your Spirit can escort us into the presence of God and even interpret our prayers into your will and help us to realize what's in your will and what's not in your will and how to pray Romans 8 26 Lord we thank you for the promise that you intercede in our prayer life by the escort of heaven the Holy Ghost But Lord, you're not so hard-pressed to answer the prayers of a dirty vessel, a clogged line. But God, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for the blood. And we thank you, dear God, for the freedom there is in your will. And Lord, thank you most of all for the power of prayer.